The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, we talk about the four franchises at the bottom of the pack who could be the most dangerous come playoff time. The Warriors, Wizards, Knicks, and the Grizzlies. And we also get back to some listener DMs. All right, Marty, let's drop the beat. This episode is dedicated to danger. Teams that we did not have high hopes for are all of a sudden fucking good. Some are so good that contenders should be shaking in their motherfucking boots. Wizards, Knicks, Memphis, Warriors. Are you kidding me? The Wizards, the Knicks, and the Memphis Grizzlies? Mark my words, one of these teams, maybe two of these teams, maybe three of these teams are going to play spoiler. Let's start with the Wizards, 11-0 in the last 11 games that Bradley Beal has played. No one saw the Washington Wizards coming. No one. I mean, except for me. I mean, except for me. Don't mean to toot my own horn, but I did say this back in February. And then I thought I was wrong, which I was actually right. Self, self-introspection sometimes can be a bitch, you know? Being humble can be a little bit tough. You think to yourself, fuck, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I should have said that. February 25th, episode 15th, I said, the Wizards are very, very good. They have the sixth best defense now after being fucking terrible. Bradley Beal at one point said, we can't guard a parked car. Sixth best defense at that point. I said, they've turned things around. Watch out for the Wizards. Robin Lopez is turning things around. Fuck. I said, if they are... Since they're only a couple of games out of the playoffs, if they end up sneaking into the eighth seed, this will be one of the greatest turnarounds in basketball in recent memory. To go from the worst team in the league, which they were, to a playoff team, which they were close to being, Philadelphia, watch your back. And then (laughs) they went 5-16 and right after that. Like literally right after that episode came out, 5-16. and Davis Bertans missed three weeks due to a calf strain. And I thought to myself, okay, Wizards back on their bullshit, just being a terrible franchise like usual. And, I mean, really, that had to do with Bertans. One of the most underrated players in the league goes down. Impact player, you're going to lose games. The team is 10-3 and since he came back, 10-1 and in their last 11. There is a reason that Dallas was thirsty for Davis Bertans, trying to trade Kristaps Porzingis, one of the worst contracts in the league for Davis, which would have been an absolute fleecing. Bertans is that good. Since he's been back hitting 43.5% from three, he is 100% the safety valve for Bradley Beal when Bradley Beal is double teamed, which is a lot. Top five in spot-up jumpers in the league for a reason, which is an incredible stat. Yeah, I mean, and it's not shocking that Bertans is doing Bertans things. He was an impact player last year, too. They found a way to defend. That's the thing that's incredible. Since the trade deadline, they have the third-best defense in the league behind the Jazz and the Lakers. That is surreal our boy Scotty Brooks thinks 
that the only reason that they're defending because he's just throwing shade on the impact players that they got healthy and they've gotten to the free throw line. When that's true, they're healthy. They have the third best in NBA percentage of points scored at the free throw line, and of course that helps the defense. But that is not the whole story. There is one player that's changed the game for the Wizards. His name is not Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook stands. His name is not Bradley Beal. He's a player that even casuals might not know. His name is Daniel Gafford. He's actually made his teammates more effective as well. He's 22, 6'11", top-tier rim protector, seventh-best block rate in the NBA. He can score, unlike Alex Len. He's gone from six points and three rebounds when he was just hidden in Chicago to 12 and six since he got to the Wizards. One game, the dude put up almost 20. He had 12 DNPs in Chicago. He was just hidden there. What a fucking steal. He has transformed Washington's defense. Let's look at some stats. Before he got there, opponent's field goal percentage in the mid-range, pre-trade deadline, 47.5%, post-trade deadline, 41.9%. Three-pointers, opponent's field goal percentage, pre-trade deadline, 38.5%, post-trade deadline, 34.8%. There is a legit argument that this man, Daniel Gafford, was the most important, most impactful pickup at the trade deadline, and he was brought in for just a bag of chips. Troy Brown, who? Mo Wagner, who was like four days later cut from the Boston Celtics to just completely retool your defense for nothing? For nothing? Come on now. Come on. So, yeah. To say that the Wizards can score now, which they've always been able to do, and now that they're elite defensively, that is fucking insane to say. The Wizards have been trash for as, as long as I've known it. They've had maybe one good year. That makes them one of the most dangerous high seeds in the East. And I tell you what, if you are the Brooklyn Nets, who has already lost to the Washington Wizards this year before they turn things around, I bet they have zero interest in playing them now. Second team in the East that should give you the willies. My lord, New York Knicks. Can you even imagine that we're saying that right now? Can we put some respect on the New York Knicks? My Lord. I got to say, the Wizards are a rebuild, but this is maybe the best rebuild in the history of basketball. A 25-year-long disappointment, a laughingstock. And then you got Leon Rose, World Wide West, Tom Thibodeau, and they have found a way somehow to neutralize somehow to neutralize James Dolan, the worst owner in sports. Definitely in basketball. It's tough. It's close. Do you understand how tough it is to build a culture, a real culture, when you have James Dolan owning your franchise? That is insane. That would be like the Washington football team becoming the hottest team in the NFL. Like, what? Things don't make no sense. Does anybody even remember How good the Knicks used to be? It's been 20-plus years. Does anybody even remember who Patrick Ewing used to be? Who John Starks used to be? It's like folklore. I know the Knicks at one point were good. I just don't even know anyone who has seen them play physically from their personal experience see them be good. But now, things are different, right? They've won nine in a row. They're one of the best teams to gamble on against the spread. They are fucking dangerous. And say it with me now. Say it with me. The Knicks are a four seed. Not one human being on earth, even those inside of the New York Knicks organization, could have predicted that. Would have predicted that. That would have been la-la land delusional. And it's not even just their play. 
It's the entire culture that's going on in the Knicks organization. They actually want players to want to be there. That's how I know that the culture has changed. That's never happened in the Dolan era. So this tidbit came out that the Knicks right now have been signing their G League players to two-way contracts and then cutting them right after. You might say, well, that doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense because it takes those players who were making $35,000 a year in the G League to making $450,000 playing as a two-way player. Wow. When have the Knicks ever spent money just to do nice things? (laughs) Like, never. When have they done it just to be like, yeah, we want to give you some goodwill? Never. They spend as least amount of money as they fucking possibly can on everything. This is incredible. This is how you know that former player agents are running the show. They know how that trickles down into getting big-time names in the future. So there's an incredible story about how the Knicks got good overnight. It all started over dinner. Julius Randle, who at this point was... Knicks fans' worst nightmare because he was just completely underperforming. He was terribly unhappy. Shocker. Wasn't playing very much. Seen as a bust. His agent, Aaron Mitz, came into town and he was like, listen, I want to know why. Mintz had Julius out with his colleagues, Leon Rose and William Wesley. This is where we insert, I learned the game from William Wesley. You could never check me. But we don't have that music. Uh... <laughs> And Randall's mentor from Kentucky, Kenny Payne Jr., who happened to be in town too, so he came along. Like, the amount of coincidental factors here that had to be in play, which ended up transforming the New York Knicks organization, is sort of insane. Julius decided, you know what? It's time to speak facts. I'm just going to complain about every single thing within this organization that's bothering me. And you know what? Sounds like they took it to heart because seven months later, Leon Rose was hired to run things, who later hired World Wide West, who later hired Kenny Payne, all those dudes that were at the dinner. And then they all said, okay, Julius, what is it going to take for you to be an all-star? And he said, you know what? I need a coach to hold me accountable, to push me every day to be better. And then in came, in came Tom Thibodeau, Mr. Run Suicides Until You Die. He's going to hold you accountable, boy. You know that. And that was exactly what they desperately needed. And then on top of that, Julius took the summer to transform his entire game and become a monster. He was talking to Leon, Wes, Mintz every step of the way. And then when Julius met Tibbs for the first time, and Tibbs was probably skeptical, Tibbs saw a kindred spirit and said, okay, we can make Randall the focal point of the offense. And the world has been asking, Trista, when are you going to put some respect on Julius Randle? When are you going to say how good he is? Right now. Right now. This is the Julius Randle segment that people have been complaining about that I've been putting off. Let's be real. Julius Randle is a fucking monster. It is insane. He is now the go-to guy the Knicks look to when the game is on the line. Can you just, like, imagine that being a real statement 12 months ago? The Knicks are 7-2 and two when Julius Randle goes off and scores 30 or more. I cannot even express to you how elite that is. That's Joel Embiid elite. That's Damian Lillard elite. That's Steph Curry elite. That's more elite than Giannis. That's more elite than Jokic. That is outrageous. His bag is deep. He knew that he was a bad three-point shooter and he needed to add that to his game, so he spent the entire offseason working on it. 
alert to Ben Simmons. That's how you get better. He went from a 33% three-point shooter to 42% in a summer. He went from 74% to 81% on free throws in a summer. He put in work when no one was watching. He hired a personal trainer, a chef, thousands of shots a day in the offseason. His body fat went from 15 to 5. That is a revenge body. He was running multiple six-minute miles every single day. But you know what? You don't become an all-star unless your team fucking wins. So then he made his assist rate doubling from last year to this year. So the Knicks, because of Julius Randle and that dinner, have gone from a laughing stock from one, to one of the most dangerous teams in the league. And everybody, everybody, including myself, has been like, you know what? Reversion to the mean. The Knicks are going to do Knicks things. They're eventually going to be terrible like they've always been terrible. And you know what? They haven't, and I don't think that they're going to. They added Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson. That was a Tibbs move to sell everyone on the Tibbs vision. Everyone has now fallen in line. It worked. They are now hitting their stride offensively. They're hitting late-night three-point shooting sessions in the middle of somewhere random in Jersey. Like, they all rented apartments in the middle of nowhere in Jersey, so they have nothing better to do than get better at basketball. That's how you know this Knicks organization wants to win. You've got R.J. Barrett now shooting, and they are much improved from three. And in the playoffs, we know that teams that lock down and hit threes go deep. They are dangerous. And even Kevin Durant admitted, nobody, even the Nets, Nobody wants to see the Knicks in the playoffs. Spring is officially here. The weather is just getting nice. It's popping, especially in New York City when the humidity is down and it's not too hot. Like, it's time for bike shorts and tank tops. Mikey, you wear you wear tank tops in the summer or what? I try to. I uh, love the Barstool Sports tank tops. I like the tie-dye. That's my shit right there. You tie it up in a little bow. kind of shows off your figure, your little physique it's hot girl summer hot girl summer is fucking coming so whether you're hitting the golf course or enjoying some little drinks on the sun on the rooftop killing it head to the barstool store we have the newest arrivals it's gonna have you looking fresh all season long oh tell you what hot girl summer head to store.barstoolsports.com to shop now the memphis grizzlies a goddamn nightmare I personally, very terrified of the Grizzlies as a Blazer fan, so I know that other teams must be like, oh, we don't want to see them. We don't want to see them. They score 130 on any given night. Players, multiple players at any given time can go off, not just John Morant. Grayson Allen, Grayson Allen, Grayson G League Allen, putting up 14-4? and four? Ugh. They've taken on salary dump players and turned them into something nice. This guy Xavier Tillman, now a real piece. They've done it without Jaron Jackson, who's been gone all year and is now back. Danger! The number one offense in the NBA in the month of April. Let me say it again. The number one offense in the entire NBA for the month of April. Just hitting their stride. Uh, 123 points a game, folks. That's a lot. If you think that's just jaw, you're wrong. This team is full of bucket getters. Eight and five in their last 13, and they could have been even better. They almost beat the Mavs. If it wasn't for Luka being a fucking alien, they would have beat the Mavs. That was the circus shot where it didn't look like it went in on time. It didn't look like he was behind the three-point line. He was both. They lost a close one to the Knicks, who I just said was really, really good. This is a team that's going to score at will, and they're going to score really, really fast, and they're deep. Not too many teams as deep as the Grizz. 
Let's go so deep and put an ass to sleep, but we don't have that music. <laughs> Just like the Wizards found their secret weapon in Daniel Gafford, the Grizzlies found theirs late in the season, too. DeAnthony Melton, another player you have never heard of. Best player you've never heard of. 22-year-old shooting guard who's been already traded multiple times. Just not because people wanted him, just because they needed to dump their salary. And somehow, instead of sitting his ass on the bench like he should have been doing, he's become literally the most improved three-point shooter of all time. Think about that for a second. He went from 28% from deep, which is goddamn terrible, just downright awful, to 46 from deep in one season. He's gone from let him shoot to do not let him shoot. Do not let that man shoot whatsoever. Contest him. He is a stat nerd's wet dream. This little uh, nerdy article, F5, outlined from a statistical standpoint that no, you could argue that he's as high as the 14th best player in the league and no lower than the 59th best player in the league. He's one of the best at the daily plus minus, which is a projection of how well a player goes is going to play moving forward. In other words, he just keeps getting better and better and better. And you combine him with this other guy that you've never heard of, Desmond Bain, Grizz have two 22-year-old shooters that shoot over 45% from three. That is fucking gross. You add that to jaw, jaw, and Jesus Christ, they are good. It is not inconceivable that the Grizz might end up playing the Phoenix Suns and spoiling their title hopes. That is not inconceivable. You saw the way the Phoenix Suns played the other night and the other night before that? Ooh, ooh, momentum is a bitch, isn't it? Phoenix better get that one seed, I tell you what, because this Memphis team is coming. They are fearless, they are deep, and they have momentum on their side. Tell you what, those three things are danger. Warriors, baby. Warriors. I think we could play that before. I don't know if we could play that. I'm not sure. Isn't it amazing that as soon as James Wiseman went down with the season-ending injury, that the Warriors just fucked around and got good again? Just wild. They became one of the best defensive teams in the league as soon as he left the roster. Mm, 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 mm. Hate to be right. I, I hate being No, I do. I actually love being right. The Warriors are finally good again. They've been bad. They've been good. They've been injured. They've been good again. Just in time for the play-in tournament. So James Wiseman, my least favorite draft pick of all time, went down with a season-ending meniscus injury on April 10th. Since then, the Warriors are, shockingly, 6-2. and two. For a team that went under 500 pretty much the entire season with his presence, to go 6-2, and two, I would say is a statistical anomaly. Or it just means that James Wiseman's not that good. Maybe. Maybe that's what it means. Right now, they have a top five defense in the league since Wiseman went down, which means a lot considering that Tsunami, Poppy, and Chucklehead Wiggins are on the perimeter. That's how good Draymond Green is. <laughs> that is how good Kavon Looney is. And in fact, Oubre is one of the reasons that the Warriors are playing better, and it's not because he's playing. It's because he's sitting his ass on the bench. It is a 10-point difference per 100 possessions when he's sitting on the bench because his defense is that overrated, and he takes, I mean, the most dumb shots I've ever seen. He told the world, this is the greatest thing, he told the world, I am going to replace Kevin Durant scoring. That's what my role is on the Warriors. No, no, you're going to sit down. Ho, sit down. That's another song we can't play. I said several times this year that Wiseman was fucking up Curry's vibe all year. 
and that the only reason that Wiseman was getting starting minutes is because Kerr just loves Greg Popovich and wants to find himself the next Tim Duncan. Doesn't matter if he's wasting Curry's prime or not. Does not matter. He's going to find the next David Robinson. He's going to find the next Tim Duncan. But you know what? Now that Wiseman is no longer an option, Kerr says that he has suddenly changed his mind and is open to small ball lineups the rest of the season. Now it looks like the Warriors might actually sneak into the ninth or 10th seed and have a chance to grab eight into the play-in. Ooh, tell you what. And on top of that, another thing that makes them scary, they've beaten a ton of good teams recently. They've beaten the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Nuggets twice in the last two weeks. Four super impressive wins. Two out of the top four teams in the league smashed. How good can this team be? I mean, let's be real for a second. As a Blazer fan, it's not good. It's not good. The Warriors are a lot better than us. The Blazers look terrible. The Warriors have always had our number. So this is what happens. Blazers either get seven or eight. They lose to Memphis. Then they have to play the winner of the Spurs and the Warriors. We know that the Spurs aren't beating the Warriors. Then they play the Warriors in Portland, and they lose in a heartbreaking fashion. Stefan ends up going in the eight seed. And you know what? The Jazz are known for falling apart. They gave up a 3-1 lead to Denver last year. I tell you what, that's not inconceivable to happen again because Curry has scored 35 or more 19 times this year. Gross. So yeah, I could see Steph single-handedly manhandling the Jazz, especially since when I said, like I said before, when the Jazz go cold, they all go ice cold and they all go cold for like multiple games at a time. Ice cold! What's colder than being cold? Those are the four teams, though, should, that should make nine. Those are the four teams, though, that should make noise. And the scariest, like I said, of them all, the New York Knicks. All right, let's get into some listener DMs. I didn't even mention that we had a guest, guest producer. Marty is uh, gallivanting the country, like I said before. So we have a Mikey here to be in his place. Thank you for coming in. Very honored to be here. Thank you very much. Um, let's start with this one. How did Houston go from being so good to so bad? Boy, oh boy. I tell you what. <sighs> There's a lot of news circling around this Houston Rockets team. It's gross. It really is very funny if you don't like the Houston Rockets. got to be very frustrating if you're a Houston Rockets fan. So this guy, Tillman Fertitta, or as I like to call him, Tillman Frittata, is uh, really decided after fucking everything up in Houston that he's done meddling with the Rockets. This is the same frittata, frittata fr- uh, family that fucked up the UFC, by the way. Like, same, same family. I don't know. Maybe he should have thought about not meddling before he went in and decided how the Harden trade should go down. He said to the Houston Chronicle, oh, man, it's really, really hard because I am competitive and I hate to lose. My people say... <laughs> My people say the biggest mistake you can make right now is to use all these picks to be a 500 club because you'll never be able to be a championship caliber club. But I hate losing. Right there, pause. He's saying, this is where I decide I want to do against what people say to do. But I hate losing so much. I'm just deciding to totally stay out of it because I'm scared that I can make the wrong decisions. Pause. You already did. You already did make the wrong decision. You literally gave up James Harden, one of the best, most impactful players in the NBA, for just like four possible good 
first round picks. Use those picks for who knows what. He says, I want to win today. You can't. You won't. I just have to stay out of it because they're right. And they just gave me examples and examples. (laughs) Because why, Tillman? You don't know the history of the NBA yourself. You have nothing to do with the NBA. You literally made your money slanging seafood. You don't know about the NBA. So they have to tell you every single cautionary tale about how an owner's meddling fucks a franchise up so that you can stay away. Man, I've heard enough. I just don't think Houston's going to be good anytime soon. This ownership change, I tell you what, it was a big mistake. The fact that I know who Tillman Frittata is, the name just rolls off the tip of my tongue, but I don't know the name of the owner of the Denver Nuggets. I don't know the name of the owner of the Utah Jazz. I mean, now that uh, Paul Allen is dead, I don't even know the owner of the Portland Trailblazers, my own team. And I know Tillman Fertitta's name, and he came in in 2017. That is a problem. That is a problem. It is going to be a tough road ahead. Man, if you have to lock yourself in a room and tell the world that you're trying not to meddle in a franchise because you don't want to fuck things up, it's going to be a slog. I haven't seen a team fall off this hard in a long time. I tell you what, like, they had 50 wins two years ago. 50. They went to the Western Conference Finals three years ago. They might not even get 50 wins in the next two to three years combined. Ugh. Like, they lost 21 games in a row. Whose fault is that? Frittata's. It has been 15 years since the Rockets had a losing season. And here we are. They are in the, they, I mean, down in the dumps. Gross. They are building, think about this. They're building around a guy, Kevin Porter Jr., that was released by the Cleveland Cavaliers for throwing food at his teammate in a locker room because that teammate stole his locker. Like, that's the guy that you're building your franchise around that you picked up for nothing. If he was so good, he wouldn't have been cut by the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's not even a strategy. That's just luck. He fell into your lap. He was in the G League, and now you're talking about building your franchise around him? Are you fucking insane? What are you doing? This is a guy making league minimum. He is not the cornerstone of a winning franchise. What are you talking about? So, yeah, losing? Losing, Tillman? So competitive? Get fucking used to losing. That's going to happen for a long, long time as long as you're at the helm. Oh, my God. This is going to be one of those situations we look back and we say, Why did that owner sell the team to the man with the shrimp fork? He is now Dan Snyder. Oh, my God. He's like the Stan Kroenke in Arsenal, right, Mikey? No, I don't even want to go there. I mean, that's bad. It's so bad. You know how bad it can be. (laughs) Let's get get off this one before I get any more frustrated. (laughs) Group the current playoff teams from most dangerous to least dangerous, please. (laughs) I made that one just for you. I, I really... The cronky out stuff was insane, so Tillman out. Tillman out. Literally, like Seacrest, Tillman out. Someone remove him. Group the current playoff teams from most dangerous to least dangerous. All right, so I think the best way to think about this is to tier teams because they're inherently different, and I think what you need to succeed in the playoffs is more than what you need to succeed in the regular season. So tier one teams are not just elite defensively, they can also score at will. These are the teams that are actually contenders. These are the teams that are actually dangerous. And when you tier them, you'll see. Suns, 
Jazz, Bucks, Clippers, Lakers, Nets. I mean, Nets, mm, they sometimes play D. They can play D elite when they want. So they could either be Tier 3 or Tier 1, depending on if they try. The Warriors and the Wizards, shockingly right now, playing like Tier 1 teams. That's how you know they're fucking super dangerous. Tier 2, middle to low offensive ratings, but very elite defensively. These are the teams that will lock you the fuck down and make you score 87 to beat them. <laughs> like New York Knicks, Philadelphia 76ers, Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks. These are not fun teams to watch in the playoffs, but I tell you what, they are effective. And they can go far just off of defense alone. Tier 3, high offense, low defense. Perfect example of this is the Nets when they don't try. They can just put up 140 and... Like, they can beat you by one or they can lose by one. That probably means they're a first-round exit. That is the Boston Celtics, sorry, Atlanta Hawks, Charlotte Hornets, Denver Nuggets, and the Memphis Grizzlies. That's the problem with the Grizz. They're not a lockdown team. Tier 4? Tell you what, this is a a tough tier. Tough pill to swallow if you're a playoff team in Tier 4. Struggle to score and struggle to defend. Ugh painful Portland Trailblazers I tell you what you have slipped into into tier four territory because you can't get buckets anymore and you've never been able to defend these are teams that possibly can get bounced out of the play-in not even make the playoffs at all that's San Antonio that's Indiana and that's Portland yuck very interested in this next question for you if you could be neighbors (laughs) with any current NBA player who would you pick I mean neighbors neighbors what does a neighbors mean to you? Are you friends with your neighbors? No. <laughs> well, I do have some neighbors, actually, that are like four. I'm in a big building. Actually, Mika Zabinijic, is that, is that how you say his <laughs> yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. He's one of my neighbors okay. in my building. He lives right. in the penthouse. I don't. But uh, I have a neighbor in my hallway that watches my dog when I leave out of town. I don't know if I would give my dog. You know, that's a great question. Would I give my? Yes, I would. Still would be neighbors with Aunt Edwards. Aunt Edwards, I would 100% let him walk my dog. How funny would it be to watch Aunt Edwards walking a 10 and a half pound black Pomeranian just like on a purple leash? I could definitely see Aunt Edwards watching my dog while I was out of town. I mean, anyone who talks about how his earrings dance when they're in his ears. I mean, this is a guy... If you get high, you want to definitely get high with. Like you bring weed over, play some 2K. He tells you the craziest stories. He brings up the wildest hypotheticals that you could ever possibly think of. He tells you the facts in the most funny way. They asked him the other day. That's how I knew I would want to be friends with Aunt Edwards and thus neighbors, I would say. Is they said, Aunt, like the Timberwolves have been terrible closing out fourth quarters. And now you guys are great. Why? He goes, you know that I was on the bench in those fourth quarters, right? I was on the bench then. And they're like, are you saying that that's the reason you guys are winning? Well, yeah, I was pretty pissed when I was sitting out fourth quarters, and now I'm very happy that I'm closing those games out. So, yeah, I would love – Aunt Edwards is another one of those guys, like he would knock on your door, and you would just see him with a football in his hands. And you're like, oh, you want to go and, like, throw the ball around, like go to the park, like just run some routes. I could see Aunt Edwards just, like, being that dude, always in a good mood down to have fun. He's the guy you would be like, oh, yeah, like we're going to have a barbecue at Aunt Edward's house. That's that's the guy. Don't bring a thing. Aunt Edward says it all covered, and he's willing to, like, just bring all of the drinks, bring all the food. That's my guy. I don't even like the, the Timberwolves, but I like him. 
Are the Blazers <laughs> speak? You you attack my arsenal, so here you go. Are the Blazers even a playoff team anymore? I mean, let's just speak facts. Like we're just not good. We're just not a good team. We're just not. There's just. It's sad because there's no reason we shouldn't be good. We have an elite roster. We have a franchise-altering player in Damian Lillard. Ennis Cantor is rebounding better and doing more putbacks than almost anyone in the league. Like, why? We are far from good, and it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like, it just is so sad. It's so pitiful. Like, I'm normally in a good mood, but when I talk about the Blazers, my mood, my tone just gets worse. Like, this roster... I just do not understand it. We have the worst defense in NBA history. Like, we are the 30th worst defense in the league right this second. And this is the worst defensive year in history. So think about that. Things need to change, obviously. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, we can't even score now. We were one of the best scoring teams in the league, and we can't even score now. We have to shoot like 10 threes in the last two minutes to even score over 100. That is so sad. I mean, we were playing well when C.J. McCollum was down, and I thought to myself, oh, when C.J. gets back, we could be elite. Man, I tell you what, it's time. It's time. I don't know what to say. Blockbuster trade. Otherwise, we're wasting Damian Lillard's prime. I don't care how loyal he is. If we're not doing everything that it takes to win— I would get very, very frustrated. We were 16-11 and 11 when McCollum was hurt and when Gary Trent Jr. was getting minutes, and now that C.J. is back, they're 2-9 and nine in their last 11 with C.J. Ugh. I mean, we're losing every close game. We at one point lost to the Celtics, losing to the Clippers, losing to the Nuggets. We lost twice to the Grizzlies. That's just in the last week alone. I mean, this is fucking gross. I am mad. And it's not going to get even easier. I think there's a very distinct possibility that the Blazers are a 10 seed coming in. We have 12 games left and 10 are against playoff teams. We have to play the Nets, the Jazz, and the Suns. Three of the best teams in the NBA. Just count those as L's now. Like, no way we win those games. This is gross. Blow it all the fuck up. Fire Terry Stotts. Trade CJ. Figure it out. Ugh. Yikes. That's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Makes a huge difference. We also have This League hoodies on sale in the Barstool store. Please do not forget to follow us at This League and at Trista Crick on TikTok. We are blowing up on TikTok. Get on the train. Get on it. IG, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening, and we will be back Friday morning early squirrely. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 